0: Today's guest, Kirby Haasman, is the author of three books about creating growth and business quote the right way. Author of Think Big Marketing for Small Business and Give Your Way to Success, Kirby is a thoughtful, passionate speaker that helps his audience understand how to modify behavior for better results. He owns Haasman Marketing and Communications and has been helping businesses large and small market and grow their business for over 15 years. He's a promo kitchen chef, he's a rising star as designated by PPP Magazine, as well as number five on the 2018 version of Dale Denham's Online 18, recognizing the most digitally visible members of the promotional products industry. That spot was earned by way of Kirby's almost exhaustive content creation and distribution (laughs) schedule, be it via vehicles like Delivering Marketing Joy YouTube Show, the unscripted podcast with his friend and co-conspirator Bill Petrie, speaking engagements for regional associations and education sessions for PPAI. He's husband to Amy, dad to Skylar and Jade, and most importantly, he's a good friend of mine and someone I admire. And before I welcome you, Kirby, onto the show, I would be doing both you and Bill Petrie a disservice if I didn't use some alliteration. So you're the content commando. You're the video virtuoso. You're a blog blaster. And I couldn't come up with something that goes with sales. You're a hell of a salesperson, Kirby. So thanks for joining me today.
1: (laughs) Wow. What an intro, dude. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. I was, you know, it's so funny. Anytime anybody talks about the online 18, I'm always like, yes it's a list of the people who are the most blatant self promoters in the industry I should be on that list for sure so thanks man Well,
0: you know uh, as you know we talked about uh, collaboration uh, in my recent podcast Bill and you've uh, obviously you know Number five and number one, I think if you, you if you do some math, that's six divided by two. is like you guys collectively are the third biggest thing in the whole industry. So, <laughs>
1: <Wow. it's okay. laughs> I don't know what that me- math means at all. Uh, I think Bill's a big deal, and I'm riding his coattails, and I'm happy to do it.
0: Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. And we always say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and if I can't flatter you in the first 30 seconds of the, <laughs> of the discussion, then I'm, I'm behind schedule. So I'm glad I'm there. Thanks, man. All right. So Kirby, so uh, if I was going to ask you easy questions, right? So we, we would take you down the direction of talking about content strategy, sure, the business reasons behind why you're doing all of that, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not doing that today. So okay. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go behind the scenes with Kirby as a sales leader and how you take care of your team, your culture, what it means to Hassman Marketing, and some of the criteria you're using in your decision-making as your business is scaling. So okay. You, you okay with that? Like, is that good with the context for you?
1: I am an open book, brother. You can ask me anything you want. That's awesome.
0: Okay. All right, well, shit. Well, I'm gonna get right to it. Then. So, <laughs> okay. So as a salesperson, not, we'll get to the rest of it in a minute, but as okay. a salesperson, what would you describe as your best skill and why?
1: I would say as a salesperson, probably the like dogged determination and single focus. So like, I remember when I got into sales, I left a salary position and I came to my wife and was like, you know, and and it was it was a little bit of an easier conversation than some people because Amy was in sales. So she at least understood. But I'm like, I admire the idea that the harder you work, the more you get paid. And so I'm willing to jump off this cliff because I know I can succeed at it. But I left salary, benefits, hell, there was daycare, right? Like daycare, all the right. all this stuff. And so I literally was like, well, dude, I'm not going home till I sell something. Uh-huh. And so um, you know, you would I don't care if it was a, a pen order to a pizza shop. When I got into it, my the the thing that made it work for me was the dogged determination and yeah. kind of single handed focus. And you know, I think as each organization grows, that's what becomes harder, right? Yeah. Is, is, is when I find myself getting off track from a sales perspective, then it's usually because I've gotten away from the basics, um, whether it's being proactive with current clients or the reality is I get too big for my britches. Ah. I like, I'm like, oh, well, I don't need to do cold calls anymore. And I will tell you, um, Roger this morning I did one because that's bullshit. I do need to do them. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, I think getting back to those basics is where you, you have success, uh, from a sales perspective. At least I do.
0: Yeah. All right. So as a sales manager, Mm -hmm. how, how does, does dogged determination follow you as your best skill as a sales manager or? Is Absolutely
1: not. Yeah. Like actually it's, it, it, that's actually one of the places where I think I struggle because I think this is true of any uh, salesperson who then finds themselves in a sales leadership position or any entrepreneur who starts. And so I kind of fill both those. Right. For and sure. so, I think one of the challenges is that dogged determination doesn't necessarily translate as the right skill set for a good sales manager in my opinion. It's the reason Michael Jordan wouldn't make a, a great yeah. coach. Right. PS, I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, but just <laughs> go with me on the analogy. It's just that I, you know, what I've found is in anything I can't want it for for you. Yeah. I can't make you have the same dogged determination. So I think what I'm developing, and man, I'm still developing it from a sales managerial perspective, sales leadership perspective, is just the ability to listen to my sales team and give them what they need. And so I say this to say that like, literally yesterday, I was having this conversation. I talked to every almost every person in my organization and said, what do I need to be doing better for you? Right. And it's, it's always interesting because Different people want different things. And I think when you're dogged and single focused, like you are in sales, you're like, well, everyone would want this. And then you find out, no, you know, one of your top producers just wants to have coffee once a month. Yeah. Oh, well, hell, I can do that. Sure. But I wouldn't have ever considered it without taking a pause and trying to understand that they're, they're not necessarily looking to create the same level of success or same kind of business that I am. And so trying to figure out what they want and help them get there. So does that make sense? Does that that answer your question?
0: Completely. And it, it's so important for people to understand, especially younger listeners who may be on what they believe to be a preordained path towards management, is right. to, to realize that... What makes you successful as an ind- individual producer oftentimes is not what makes you successful as a manager.
1: No, actually, it's it, it, for me, it's it's actually counterintuitive, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it is almost counterproductive for me to, like, I think in some ways it makes sense to go, okay, I'm gonna lead by example. And sure. I think there's value in that, right? But at the end of the day, some of your salespeople don't want to be million dollar producers. They just wanna make a comfortable living and be happy and spend time with their families. And they're not wrong, <laughs> right? Sure. And so I think that it's about understanding what they want and helping them get to where they want. And if you do that enough times, I think you end up being successful.
0: Generally speaking. And and, uh, uh, the analogy I will share with you was I laid laid down my biggest commission check in front of the team that I had inherited and said, who wants to make that money? And quickly came to realize that that was just a stupid thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Because – not everybody wants to make what you think is successful money that way, and for, right. they have different motivations. So you you hit it exactly on the head. So Kirby, as a business owner, we're, we're, so you got to be doggedly determined. You have to be a great listener. What, what skill do you have to add in when you're a business owner?
1: So I think both of those actually translate well to the business owner side. I think. Um, the other piece that I think people look around for you as a business owner is they they really want you to create the vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the mistakes I made early on is like, well, what's everybody think? <laughs> they don't give a shit. They right. they want and, and not that they don't get. That's the wrong thing to say. But what I mean is they they, they want, want you to, to tell them they what to give, to give it. a shit about. Right. And so and 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 so I, you know I think you know when you're on the team you want everybody to hey what do you guys think? Let's all be a part of this. But I think when you've got a good group of people, and I do, like, they're like, no, just tell us the, the, the direction to yeah. to row, and we'll yeah. row like hell toward it, right? We'll go super fast. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I think part of the vision piece is that. But then the other piece is, and again, it's so funny to have this conversation with you, because yesterday I, I kind of was like, I'm going on offense for culture, because I felt uh-huh. like we were all splintering a little bit, uh-huh. and asking them. It's the same thing, right? Like, where your internal team, I asked the team literally yesterday three questions: What are we good at? What do we suck at? Yeah. And what do I need to do better? Right. Every I had fifteen minute conversations with everybody on the team. Okay, and it was enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And what was cool is I think we do have a culture where our team, you know, even the internal staff, maybe more so, were like, "Oh, here's what you need to do better." Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. A lot of it was really actionable, and I think understanding, you know, providing the vision is one thing, but then listening to the team t- to say they've got their feet on the ground to tell me how I can help us get there. Right. And, and hopefully I'm going to, you know, start making strides toward it. I mean, that was one of the things they told me yesterday, by the way, Roger was Kirby, you need to sell more.
0: Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Right. And so what's that tell me? I need to get back to basics. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, and yeah. so that's, for me, that was kind of the kick in the pants that kind, it kind of brought it all for full circle for me.
0: That's that's timely. All right, so I know you're looking to scale, mm-hmm. right? Like you you've been you you're on a growth growth trend here, and mm-hmm. I've had the good fortune of kind of being able to watch it watch it as it's happening. And I, I watch you you're making additions, you know, you're adding people to the team, both on sales and even in customer service and on the service side of the business. And I know, you know, obviously some of that is just you, you, when you churn, sometimes you have to replace someone. But yeah. I, al- I also know that like some of this is that you're doing this purposefully. So knowing, you, you hit on this, and I'm glad that you talked about it. So culture is important to Kirby Hassaman and, and Hassaman Marketing. And Huge. And, I, and I watch you, you're being very purposeful in how you're constructing your team. So, so how do you balance adding when you can't always surround yourself with the people in the building because koshockton ohio unfortunately is not in the middle of, like, a very densely populated area. so <laughs> That's true. So how do, how do you make those ads? How do you approach that knowing that you, you can't have everybody in the building with you every day?
1: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. It's a really big challenge, and I don't know that I have all the secrets figured out on that. Um, the part of yesterday was me going, okay, I've been pretty splintered, and I need to get my arms back around it. But right. on the other side, I think it's a big piece of, uh, you know, people talk about this so much that it's cliche, but I think it's true, is that you really do have to to hire for um, sort of personality yeah. um, and be able to train skills within reason, right? I'm not going to make someone who has worked in a car manufacturing a graphic designer. Right. I don't care how great their personality is. To but technical skills. yeah, right. But within reason, I want one of the things I've said for a long time is I wanted to create a, a business that I wanted to come to work at. Yeah and when i start with that premise then i'm probably going to hire people i like now it doesn't mean that i they always have to agree with me to be honest with you that is not the case here (laughs) i like and respect them enough that they feel comfortable telling me when i'm full of shit i think that's super important um but on the other hand you know i want them to have a sense of humor Mm -hmm. if anything as we've grown we haven't been laughing enough (laughs) And that's a thing that I'm like, okay, that's something that is actionable that I think we can put back into the mix. And so for me, it's a lot about personality, but it's also about productivity. Um, One of the things is regardless of how uh, much I like you, sometimes we have to make tough decisions about uh, folks who aren't performing. And that, to be totally candid with you, I suck at that. I, I, I do. Like people talk about hire fast and fire fast. I, I am not good at firing fast. I want people to like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so uh, that's a thing I struggle with, but I think it's something I'm going to have to get better at, not only to grow the business, but quite frankly to keep the culture in place so that we keep the best people.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I've, I've had the good fortune or misfortune, depending on how you want to look at it, of having worked remotely for... a a big chunk of my career and Mm -hmm. it is really, really easy to feel disconnected. Oh, man. And it's super important for the people in the mothership to have a cadence of communication with the people who are not on the mothership Mm. in a way that will give me something to rely on, give me a moment when I know not not just for a one on one, Yeah, which is important, but also make make group time. Make it so that there's ways for me to feel connected to the larger whole in ways that I might not otherwise seek on my own, and I will feel more like a part of the team than if you don't.
1: Yeah, I, I tell you it's funny you say that because we do, as a sales team, we do a weekly online call. Right, where we all get together, talk about what we're working on. And that was a topic of conversation yesterday, is that I think I dominate the conversation too much. I want the team to talk to each other. On the other hand, the other thing we announced this week is we're going to have monthly all-in meetings. There you go. um, Where the whole team that can, I mean, we've got people in Virginia and North Carolina and uh, out in California, they won't be able to make it in, but everybody else will come in um, so that we reconnect in the best way we can on a regular basis. And so those are a couple things we want to do. Um, and so, but I'll tell you, it's something I think that every company and mine certainly, we have to keep getting better at.
0: Yeah, and, and, and make it a, a point of focus for sure. Yep. All right, and, and so th- that kind of helps me with the next question. So uh, I, I, to Kirby, like when, when I say Kirby Hossman is a give first guy, <laughs> like I don't, I don't, like I, you and I know what that means. And, right. and Gary Vee and being a disciple of Gary V.'s, and like we get that, but let, let's take a minute and sort of explain to my listeners what being a give first guy means in concept and why is that important to you?
1: Yeah, I think, I think we are living in a give first economy. And I, what I mean by that is that I think the best salespeople, entrepreneurs, businesses are the kind in today's world that provide value upfront before they ask for money. Right. And I think when they do that, whether they they build trust, they build credibility, they build integrity, they build a relationship. And when you have a relationship with your customers and your prospects, then they're more likely to be willing to pay just a little bit more, forgive mistakes, and I always tell people, I'm trying to create 20-year customers. You don't do that by making one transaction. Right. You do that by providing value up front and showing the kind of person that you are, the kind of organization you are, and when you do that over time, the kind of customers you want start to be attracted to you. Yeah. Now, what does give first mean? It doesn't mean you're walking around handing out $20 bills. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're, it's, it's like the good old boys network. It means that you can provide value in a bunch of ways. Now in our industry, in the promo industry, it's perfect because we're a give first industry. Right, You provide, you give a a promotional premium uh, out and it provides value and then long term you build that relationship. But you can do it through content, you can do it through curation, you can do it through just saying thank you on a regular basis and giving praise. And so I think that when you do that, you create sort of the foundation for business success.
0: Totally. All right. So knowing that description specifically and knowing that you're employing the strategy as a big part of like Haaseman's overall marketing plan, what I really wanted to kind of peel back and I was trying to figure out how to answer, ask you this question sure. in a way that makes sense. So because you specifically and personally are so prolific in your content creation and, and even your content curation, how, where is it like, does your sales team interact that way too? Like is mm. that, is it is it, are you, do you have expectations of them to be content creators and curators in much the same way that Hassmann is as a corporate entity, or are you? Is it your expectation that they're delivering the corporate content message that you've created? Like, where where does that where does that fork in the road happen for your sales team?
1: No, it's a, a super good question and one I think we're working our way through. Um, so, what I would say is, I feel like my job and the job of sort of Hasma Marketing, our organization, is to provide that content for our sales team so that the sales team can share, can curate, can... Um, Not necessarily because I'm trying to push a corporate message, but because I think what we're doing, we're doing it in a give first way, right? Uh And so they can share stuff that isn't constantly saying, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. I think that's what most people do. And so what I am sort of preaching to my team is that, man, share the stuff when we're not asking for money, right? right? Um, But I give them the latitude of whether they want to do it or not. Okay. because what i would say and 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 you know truth be told there are times where i'm like i wish they'd share it more because i'm putting in the work right, <laughs> oh, right, right. but but on the other side i also know that i like i tell people when i'm speaking it in at, at you know around in the industry and out is that they need to have a balance right they should people buy from people they like know and trust right. and social media provides that venue well if if that's the case, you need to let people like, know, and trust you as you are. You're not only your business. You're not only your dog, right? Like, like, so share a well-rounded look at that. So from my, my expectation for my sales team is that they would share a reasonable um, amount of yeah. so that, and my guess is different pieces are going to resonate with different salespeople, right. just like it does with our audience. Yeah. And so what I sort of tell them is, hey, if you see one that you really like, share it, yeah. curate it. Um, but I have not, there's no like, you know, mandate that, uh, that says, Hey man, you need to share this because I think that would be inauthentic and I want them to be themselves because ultimately their customers are buying from them.
0: Yeah. Well, and to your point, if like, uh, I was a cynical salesperson at one point in my career sure, and if the organization was pushing a message that I didn't necessarily feel like resonated with me. I would sort of not be really happy with being tasked with having to, to do that. So, uh, what I'm I suspect will happen for you, and you know, we'll we'll see if I'm a fortune teller in this regard. But I think you you're kind of a house to places. You're you're like a place where if I want to build my own brand, I know that Kirby's not going to tell me no. Right. Right. Like. I want, if I have my own idea about what I want to, to, to put out there in the world from a marketing perspective, then what better place to go than the guy who already has the engine built? Right. So right, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, Hey, I'll just, I'll just slot myself in here and take advantage of what you have to give me. And I, I could see how that would help you. But it's interesting cause you know, I, I know a fair amount of your sales team and like they're all over the board on that. And it's, and it's just right. inter- interesting to watch. Like, Not everyone has said, like, that's what I see for myself when it comes to being a salesperson at Haasemann. But the good news is, unlike a lot of your competitors, you're giving them all kinds of stuff to use. Whether they're using it or not is up to them, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I I had a salesperson tell me that yesterday. Uh, He said, I feel like you give us the tools. It's up to us to use them and so that's exactly and you know I mean truth be told long term is this the idea that maybe uh, other people in our industry who have experience but see what we're doing and want to be a part of it from my perspective Roger it's no different than than customers because when you create a certain kind of content that we create it attracts a specific type of customer right well the same thing would be true my hope is of uh, professional salespeople in our industry is that they would look and go you know what my values align with what their values are, Yes, I'm gonna align myself there. Yeah. Um, but it's not something that we go out and recruit or anything like that, but my hope is organically that'll start to happen.
0: Well, and, and getting back to that discussion that I had with Bill about collaboration, like you, you it's almost like you're like a, a record producer yeah. And, and you're like, hey, like I've got a studio and I've got <laughs> musicians and we have, all of the equipment. And if you just want to come in and make music, like here we are. Right, right. right. Absolutely. (laughs) So, and you know, there's like a lot of places and I've written about this, like, you know, the the biggest challenge for a lot of people in sales these days is to to have something to say. Mm. And, and a lot of times, you know, I I would come into the office, I would visit, you know, one of my sales offices on the road and I would always be um, astounded by how challenged our sales force was to have something to say to their hmm. prospects right and right. it's like well don't reinvent the wheel <laughs> like yeah. ha- you know use the corporate messaging to your advantage and th- but they didn't identify with it so right. uh, you know and I, I think you you so you're absolutely ahead of the game when it comes to that and knowing that like you're not expecting anyone to move to kashoptin <laughs> right right <laughs> like uh, you know it's here and you can use it and we've we've created it in a way so that that that, I guess in many ways I'm complimenting you in everything. Yeah, about, I appreciate so. it, brother. All right, so so um, I wanted to talk. So kind of touching on what we're talking about. So I've li- you know I listen to unscripted. I occasionally get a shout out. Makes me so yep. excited every time <laughs> I get my name mentioned. That kind of thing. And um, and it wasn't lost on me when you talked about your thoughts about making the online 18. And you know we, we're not going to spend a victory lap here, but let's let's talk about what it meant. So. You know, the internet has a way of forgetting about things like that kind of list, right? Like quickly, like, yeah. you know, it it's, it's on it's on your resume now and great, but it's over. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and M- Melissa, my wife, she, she does this to me often. She's in sales in much the same way that Amy is. And when we talk about content creation, she always, like, we'll want to go somewhere and she'll say to me, let's go to such and such. And I'll say, no, I've got a podcast to record. Mm-hmm. And she rolls her eyes at me and says, "Does that make us any money?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, what I wanted to ask again, trying to figure out how to ask you this question in the right way. So, is focusing on monetization of content the wrong approach when it comes to building a business-to-business brand? And and so, like, and if it is, then. How, how do you assign the expenditure, both time and money, of content creation? Like, where does it go in the budget if it's not something you're trying to make money doing?
1: No, that's fair. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, I think, I think, um, and I'm gonna speak to this for someone who's thinking about doing content as opposed to someone who um, has been doing it, right? And so what I would say is, if you are thinking of doing content with the idea of monetizing it, I think it's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Okay, so I think, again, we go back to the give first thing. You don't start by saying buy from me, right? You start by saying how, what kind of content can I create in a consistent way that provides value a lot, over time, consistently. And as you do that, and then p- with patience, monetization will actually come. Right. It, it actually surprised me in, in the way that it, that it did for me. It essentially approached me, right? But what I would say is, it didn't right away. Right. And I actually think you were early on, you were one of my early guests on Delivering Marketing Joy. And I remember you asking me, w- why are you doing this? What's your plan? and the honest answer is I didn't have one I don't know (laughs) I, I I knew it was the right thing to do but I couldn't go well but if I push this button then this will come out Right. I knew that if I if I provided value long term over time, good things would happen. Yeah. I actually think uh, one of the things, and, and this is this is probably the thing that will be the most controversial thing I would say, is I think focusing on metrics, especially early on the game and content, is stupid. Yeah. I think it's a terrible idea yeah. because all it does is frustrate you. So I'll give you a very specific example that's very current in my life. Okay. Um, I have decided I started uh, June 1st, right? That we, we were producing a fair amount of content. You, you've talked about that. But I decided not enough. I decided I wanted to, if I really am a media company, which is what I tell people, I am going to produce something new on my website every single day. Okay. So every day in June, I, there was a new blog post. There was a podcast. There was a, a blog post. There was something every single day, Okay. By June 10th, I'm on vacation, and I mean, I, like, I, I backed it up so that I could have some ready, oh, right? Uh, right? I started looking at my numbers. Now just for some context, the best uh, traffic to our website ever was in April, and that okay. was because of one post that an influencer essentially shared. <laughs> okay, so one post made it a home run, and it was the most traffic we'd ever had to our site. Yep. The worst month we'd ever had was May, <laughs> the very next <laughs> month. <laughs> okay, so I was starting this in June. On June 10th, I looked at my numbers. I'm like, well, by now, I'm sure this is really taken off, right? The numbers were lower than May. Oh, jeez. And I'm sitting... In a, in a paradise in Florida, go, just depressed, depressed right? Because like, yes. I'm like, dude, I'm putting in all this work, I'm putting in all this time, and nothing's happening. Yep. Now, I will tell you, by the end of the month, because I did it, I kept going. Because on June 10th, that's the part where most people quit. The
0: trough, it's the trough. Yeah, right? it's the part, the
1: yep. yep. Or uh, Seth Godin calls it the dip, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and so the idea is, that's when most people go, it's not working. But the problem is it's it's a little bit like fitness. <laughs> it's the first two weeks that, that are the hardest. And then you start to see results if you keep going when you're sore. Yep. Right. And so so essentially by the end of the month, the, the moral of the story is by the end of the month, June ended up being the top traffic uh, month of the year. Got it. Single by single, right. <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, it, it gained just a little bit of momentum. And July, by the way, started the same way. July 10th, I made the mistake of looking at the numbers and I'm like, damn it. but as of right now, it's, it's getting closer to one of the top months. And so I say that to say, you can't go into a content strategy saying, Oh man, this is going to blow everybody's socks off. I'm going to put one post out and it's going to be amazing. It, uh, Seth Godin actually talks about, he, there's a lot of success to be had in the long tail. He has posted 7,000 blog posts and not one of them has ever been the number one post on the internet. You know what I mean? So, uh, so, so that's sort of my thing is, does it make us money? It will long term. It will today. No. (laughs) And I think you need to understand that.
0: Well, and, and um, so to, to get to the budgeting question,
1: right? Oh yeah. Sorry.
0: Well, but I mean, so this is, this is, this is a legit question that I think that anyone listening to this would, would want to know like, all right, like it's one thing to do it. It's how do you pay for it? And, sure. and and where do you assign the cost? So, I've I've, ri- I've written a couple blog posts in the last six months about this. You know, I, much like you, I, I've pivoted to a more prolific content creation uh, approach on my own. Right. And, and uh, branded logistics is you know a relatively small supplier in the business, so I know that. Uh, My objective is not to sell more Otterbox phone cases or coolers by virtue of a podcast. But what it does is if I'm trying to fill my funnel, if I'm trying to add new prospects to my opportunity list, I know that there's at least some people who will be like, hey, like, I I like what he's talking about. And it seems like their company is a good company. I should try to sell some of their stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And.
0: And I can't necessarily quantify that. I'm not even really trying to. But what I'm doing in the budgeting of what's going on is saying, like, this is a marketing expense and I'm, yeah. I'm assigning my hours and the cost to the hours that I'm devoting to this enterprise to the marketing budget. And you, that, you, like, I think anybody who wants to do this, who hasn't and wants to assign like, oh, it, co- it takes too much time and like mm-hmm. I should be selling instead of that. Well, guess what? This is sales. Yeah. So, and, and you have to be, be willing to say, I'm willing to assign a cost per hour and a certain number of hours in my week to doing that and give yourself the opportunity to see if it works. Fair? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's, it's 100% fair. And I actually, yeah. uh, I'll go so far as to say that if you're not doing that, you don't believe in it. Right. And, and so people will, and people will push back when I say that and say, if you believe it to be true, then you have to. You find you find budget in your sales budget or your marketing budget or your janitorial budget. I don't know. Uh, like I I spend a lot, you know, my budget is time a lot of the time, right? All like right. I'm spending time after hours writing and stuff like that. Sure. But if you're not doing it, you don't believe in it. Because whenever somebody says that like, well, I just don't have the time or I don't have the this or I don't have the that. Okay. Well, I, you know, like that's a little bit like saying, Well, I don't have time to write orders. <laughs> right. Well I don't have time to cold call. <laughs> well then it, then then you don't believe in it, right. right? Like because if you believe it to be true, how could you not do it? Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I I keep coming back to the the I, I really like the fitness analogy because I actually th- I think that it's one of the truest ones. Is everybody knows what to do? Yeah, they're just not willing to do it. That's one of my favorite quotes. Is the greatest distance in the world is the distance between I know and I do. <laughs> and I always say that the reason I know that's true is I know for sure without a doubt how to have six pack abs. Right but I do not have six pack abs, have- <laughs> <laughs> right. right? And so I think that the content and, and fitness are extraordinarily similar in the sense that the, it's not, it's simple, it's not easy. Like people do it, they'll, they'll buy P90X and they'll, they'll they'll get the program and they'll do it for the first week and their arms are so sore they can't, and they're like, screw this, this yeah. sucks, right? Sure. Well, that was June 10th for me, right, <laughs> right? right. right? Like, and I was like, this sucks and there's a beach outside and there's beer calling my name yeah. and i'm going to write another blog post On anyway <laughs> okay, very so very, very, very. that's that's really what it boils down to
0: yeah uh, yeah uh, we yeah that's that's exactly that's the fitness analogy and y- you know like uh, uh, to me it's like what are you com- if you're competing are you are you trying to win and if you're trying to win, like, what are you doing then? What's, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you tell me how you're trying to win that? If you can tell me how you're trying to win and it doesn't have anything to do with content and you're winning great. Yes. I, I want to know that strategy too. Yes. But, but if you aren't, and you're not winning, then what are you doing? <laughs> well,
1: Roger, the thing that I find interesting is I talk about this in you know um, a session that I give. And people like the session, and there's a lot of nodding heads, and they all get it. And inevitably, after this, and it's the succeeding in the give-first economy, I talk about it a lot. Afterwards, people come up with me, and they're like, Man, this makes a ton of sense, but it sounds like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no shit (laughs) who said who said anything good wasn't going to be work like when is it you got into sales and we're like you know what this is going to be easy money because if you did you know like it's then you were sold a bill of goods I mean no matter what you're going to do if you want to succeed it's going to be hard work you just have to choose which path you want to go down on that and so and I'm cool with any of the paths this is the one that I've chosen
0: yeah all right so it's uh july 25th as we record this sweet what 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 can we where where will we see kirby between now and the end of 2018 where where else might i encounter you uh between now and expo next year what what do you have planned out there
1: Yeah, so to find me, as as I've mentioned already, I am really excited that we are posting something every single day at Hossman Marketing. So the the big favor you could do is go check that out each day. I'm posting it to all the social media channels. And let me know if there's any, because, you know, Again, a little bit like fitness, the first two weeks was actually easy to come up with topics. Yeah, no. I'm I'm 60 days in, oh, really? so uh-huh. I, I can I can always use topics. So if you have something you need me to cover, let me know. There, uh, Bill and I are actually going to be speaking at uh, Skew Camp okay. uh, coming up here in New Orleans with the Common Skew Gang. Yep. I am fired up about that one because we're actually going to be covering um, a brand new session that he and I have never done before, awesome. and and the title of it is "So You Suck at Content Marketing." It's time to suck less. And so I'm actually pretty fired up about that. I think it's going to be fun. And uh, after, uh, other than that, you know, we've got a lot of sales stuff that we're doing. And so that's actually going to become one of my focuses is kind of uh, barreling back down and, and uh, getting HMC. My goal for the second half is to grow 25%. And so uh, year over year. And so that's going to take some nose to the grindstone yeah. effort.
0: August, September, October, November, you got five five games left in the season. That's right. And you got five opportunities for wins and losses. So I will find you at the end of the year. We will talk about this again, and we can look yes. back and say, did we have success? Did yes. get that 25%? But in the meantime, I hope some of this finds itself into the ears of somebody who gets inspired and wants yes. to give it a shot. So Kirby, thanks so much for joining me, man, and I look forward to the next chance we get to do it.
1: Awesome, man. Thanks a lot.
0: Take care.